Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hearings are wrapping up into Cook County's proposed $6 billion budget. What it contains and what it doesn't have could make many taxpayers smile. But even the silver lining of higher-than-expected revenue in one sector could be attached to a very dark cloud. This week, we talk with Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle about the budget, health care, criminal justice, and more. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The 2019 budget that's now before the Cook County Board represents an increase of about $700 million in spending over this year's mark. It shrinks the size of the county's workforce a bit, and there's no reliance on hikes in taxes or fees to balance the books. This looks like what some might call an election year budget, and indeed, County Board President Preckwinkle is up for re-election next month. She's also seeking another office, that of Mayor of Chicago, but we'll talk about that later. We're conducting this interview in the Board President office. Tony Preckwinkle, thank you for having me back. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. Um, uh, Commissioner Larry Suffredin said that the uh, 2019 budget doesn't appear to have any controversy and will probably pass. Were there, in fact, any surprises in getting to this point? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm pleased that this budget is balanced without the need for any new taxes, fines, or fees, and, and without any layoffs as well. Uh, Last year, we we had a very, very difficult budget year, and more than 1,000 positions were eliminated. As a result of the the difficult choices we made last year, and frankly, over the last eight years, uh, we find ourselves at this point today. Um, This budget represents, you know, real progress toward our our conviction that we need to make Cook County healthier, safer, and more physically responsible. You know, I would remind our listeners that over the last eight years, we've reduced our budget by uh, we've reduced our our headcount by 13 percent. We've reduced our indebtedness by 11 percent, and um, we've solved for more than 1.2 billion dollars in 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 budget gaps. So we've made a lot of difficult choices over the last eight years that have brought us to this point. Uh, this budget, in fact, could have had a, a gap of hundreds of millions of dollars, but it isn't that. Partly because of a uh, million uh, increase in revenue for the state's health enterprise fund, which uh, helps pay for county care. Uh, It's the local, for listeners who don't know what county care is, uh, it's the local companion to Medicare coverage for those who don't have health insurance, if I'm not overly shorthanding it. Um, So what's happening with that that program that uh, gives you more revenue than you thought you were going to get? Well, the healthcare system has always been a very significant part of our budget. It's usually about half of our budget. And historically, it's been our health and hospital system, simply our two hospitals, our 16 clinics. Um, but as a result of the Affordable Care Act and Medicaid expansion, we now have 330,000 people that we serve through a Medicaid expansion program. This is one of the many moving parts of the Affordable Care Act. By the way, um, 
you know, I think it's it's really interesting. I, I just saw a report that 54% of Americans now um, approve of the Affordable Care Act, which is the the best numbers that it's had, I think, since it was enacted. So um, I think we've made real progress in, in explaining to the American people how critical it is that uh, as many of our citizens have, as possible have access to good health care, and the Affordable Care Act is one of the means to ensuring that. But this is a huge part, this money is a huge part of the uh, the county's budget, and I, I, so I want to raise a concern that's been because... The Affordable Care Act might not stick around if Republicans hold their majority in Congress and if they repeal the uh, ACA, uh, that money could dry up. And what would that do to the county? Well, I'm deeply disturbed by the Trump administration's efforts uh, and Republican congressional efforts to um, dismantle the Affordable Care Act. We estimate that about 80,000 of the 330,000 people who are county care members obtained their coverage through the Affordable Care Act. And repeal would re result in a loss of revenue anywhere from 300 to, to about $800 million. And that's a, that would be an incredible, um, devastating impact on not just our hospital system, but on our county budget. You know, Dr. Jay Shannon and I and our staffs uh, go to Washington three or four times a year to talk to our congressional delegation and I'm particularly grateful to Senator Dick Durbin and Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky and that delegation for their leadership to talk to our delegation about how important the ACA is to the people of Cook County and the state of Illinois. And I'm very grateful for their advocacy on our behalf. I can only think, though, that if the worst did happen, the county would feel pressured to keep this going somehow uh, so that these people wouldn't be tossed you know, back into the winds uh, for their for their health care. But could the county do that? I think we'd be severely challenged. But let me just say that our health and hospital system is 180 years old. And in that 180-year period, we've always taken whoever comes to our door, regardless of their race or religion or their citizenship status or their ability to pay. And I'm very proud of that fact. We'll do everything we can to continue um, continue that legacy. Now, the county is in much better fiscal shape than it has been before, but uh, to uh, go to the other side of the coin, uh, there are some commissioners who are saying, see, we are in better shape. Uh, the, the, there's financial stability. So that's proof that the uh, now-repealed sweet and soft drink tax uh, probably wasn't really ever needed. What do you say to them and to the voters who have been listening to all of the rhetoric and, and uh, still have some, you know, ill feelings about that tax that was around for a while? Well, to cope with our revenue needs and sustain our, our critical services, particularly in public health and public safety, and establish a three-year financial plan, um, last year we moved forward with a new revenue proposal. With its repeal, the county lost a source of revenue and the opportunity to do that uh, three-year financial plan which is a financial best practice. You know, furthermore, um, the sweetened beverage tax was not necessary just for that fiscal year, but for the next three years, fiscal 19 and 20. And it's worth noting that we uh, cut our expenditures um, last year, and as a result, um, we were in a better place this year. Uh, those cuts were elimination of positions. They weren't one-time fixes. 
So the benefits carried out into the out years. They weren't just one-time things. And we also had uh, unanticipated uh, growth in sales tax revenue. And if we don't um, see that same trend next year, uh, that leaves us in a more perilous position for fiscal year 20. And let me just say, um, it's not just that the stock market has been turbulent over the last uh, several days and weeks, but um, there are economists who think that we're overdue for a correction in the economy, if not a recession, and it's hard to know how to, how, hard to, know how to predict what impact that'll have on county revenues. Um, I want to turn to an area I know is uh, near and dear to you and has been uh, ever since we, you, you first ran for, uh, for aldermen, uh, and that's criminal justice. Uh, Sheriff Tom Dart was the uh, first of the elected department heads to ask for more money uh, in these budget hearings, specifically nearly $5 million to keep his officers in some high-crime neighborhoods on Chicago's south and west sides. Uh, his office is putting up more than $5.5 million for this program that is basically helping Chicago police in the city. How valuable is it uh, for the county to have this kind of a program going on? Well, the sheriff has said he's going to use some of his own revenues within his own budget to do this, and he's requested more, and our, our budget staff needs to analyze his request. You know, I need to say that for the first time under my tenure, uh, Cook County began to look at the pipeline into the criminal justice system and not just run our courts and jails. And so we've distributed almost $18 million to community organizations focused on anti-violence, anti-recidivism, and restorative justice. And we're not just um, slapping Band-Aids on deep wounds. We're trying to address trauma, injury, isolation, and the deprivation felt in some of our poorest neighborhoods, uh, the things that drive our most vulnerable residents toward crime and violence. So, you know, we, we have focused on trying to be... Um, responsive to the challenges that many of our communities face uh, with these Justice Advisory Council grants, and we'll continue to try to do that work. Um, you know, we can't, we can't deal with the, the violence challenges that we face by, with police activity alone, particularly a harsh police response. That's not going to stem the tide of violence. We've got to invest uh, in the people and in the neighborhoods that are so challenged. One of the other things that you've been doing is uh, working... Uh, with the chief judge to reduce the number of people who are jailed pre-trial. Um, and uh, that, that, with the court order, has been moderately successful. Uh, how, what's your assessment of how things have been going? Well, I'd, I'd change the adjective. <laughs> I, think it's been, I think it's been more than moderately successful. Um, you know, in the 2009, 2010, we were averaging nine to 10,000 people in the jail on a daily basis. Um, and for some time now, the average uh, number of individuals in the jail is, is hovering around 6,000. So we've seen a roughly 30% reduction. And that's the result of, in the jail, daily jail population, that's a result of, of cooperation and collaboration with all the stakeholders, the chief judge, the state's attorney, the public defender, the sheriff, and the clerk of the court. And in particular, you know, the chief judge last September um, issued an order to judges in bond court that their default um, position should be um, released without cash bond. And so what we saw was a, a reversal of the responses to defendants in bond court. When we had nine or 10,000 people in the jail, 
two-thirds of them got cash. Two-thirds of the people who came into bond court got a cash bond requirement to get out. And one-third were released on their own recognizance or electronic monitoring. And now it's the it's about the reverse. About 70% of the people who come into bond court are released on their own recognizance or electronic monitoring, and only 30% get a cash bond. And it's really the, this change in the attitude of, of bond court judges with the collaboration and cooperation of the state's attorney and the public defender that's driven the jail population down. And we haven't, just to be clear, we haven't seen an increase in the number of people who don't show up for their hearings or don't show up for their trials. We still have very modest um, non-compliance percentages, even though we have much larger number of people who spend the time between their uh, appearance in bond court and their hearings um, going to work, going to school, whatever. But now, uh, Sheriff Dart raised a uh, an issue about electronic monitoring during the hear his hearing, uh, and and said that the pendulum may be swinging a little too far. That uh, people who might be a danger to the community are being let out. He said there have been people who were charged with murder who were let out on electronic monitoring, and that he's got some concerns that. Uh, that could come back to to be a a problem. It could be a uh, that people could be hurt because of that. Well, we've got two electronic monitoring programs in Cook County um, because they were established by separately elected officials for different purposes. The chief judge operates one electronic monitoring program that serves two groups of people. It provides for increased monitoring of people who are not in custody and are waiting trial, and it also includes people who've been sentenced and for whom electronic monitoring is the condition of probation. So that's the chief judge's program. The sheriff's program was developed under the supervision of the federal judges overseeing a lengthy litigation about jail overcrowding. So the Cook County Sheriff was given the authority to release pretrial detainees who were neither a flight risk nor a threat to public safety to reduce dangerous overcrowding in the jail. Now, I presume that the sheriff is criticizing not his own program, but the chief judge's program. Um, and again, the chief judge uh, is responsible for this program. It includes people who've been sentenced, and the condition for their probation is electronic monitoring, as well as people who are not in custody and are waiting trial. And the decisions about who gets to be on electronic monitoring are made by judges in bond court. And I think, uh, with the exception of the sheriff, uh, the rest of the stakeholders, I think, believe that the system is operating pretty well. Um, one other uh, criminal justice issue I want to take up uh, quickly here, and that is State's Attorney Kim Fox did not ask for more money uh, this time, but she warned that she's going to need more assistant state's attorneys uh, soon. How does a county prepare for for that eventuality. It's sort of like hearing you're going to have a balloon payment in your mortgage at some point, that, that, that this is going to have to be done. So our budget team is working with uh, State's Attorney Fox in her office to identify ways that we can be sure that we're best able to defend ourselves in civil lawsuits. This is about beefing up our civil um, uh, assistant attorney staff, assistant state's attorney staff. So um, we know long-term that we'll save money if we have our own staff rather than um, paying for outside counsel. So we're, we're looking at the civil litigation unit, and, and it's under analysis by our budget team. 
You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, we're recording this in her office, so as I always say, technically I'm the guest, but uh, uh, and, and happy to be here. I do want to turn to uh, something that's been in the headlines this uh, this past week. Um, how is the county reacting to concerns raised by the uh, apparent pipe bombs that were sent to Democrats and prominent critics of President Trump? You happen to be both of those things, so uh, are you a little concerned? Well, I, I want to remind residents that they should report any suspicious activity or packages. Um, nothing's been received by my office, uh, to my knowledge, and I, I want to thank the law enforcement officers whose job it is to make sure that anything suspicious is intercepted before it reaches any elected official. And, of course, we're all very grateful that although a significant number of these pass packages have been mailed, they've been intercepted and uh, without harm to the individuals to whom they were mailed. So we're all grateful for that. But are there any special precautions that are being taken uh, beyond what, you know, we would do under, under, for normal homeland security alerts? Um, usually it's not our practice to divulge the special steps that we're taking to protect ourselves. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, another budget issue, and that is... Uh, sort of a merger, uh, or it would be when it happens. A recorder of deeds, Karen Yarborough, is uh, set to replace uh, retiring county clerk David Orr, which would sound like a great time for those offices to merge, as it seems the voters and others want. Well, what is the status of that, uh, that movement right now, or is there any movement? Well, first of all, I, I would point out that early on in my in my first term, this is something I proposed. That is, recording the merger, the merging the recorder of deeds in the clerk's office. But at that time, we couldn't muster the support of the board of commissioners to do it. It ended up being done by the voters as a matter of referendum, um, and the uh, closeout date for the recorder's office is is 2020. So there's an ongoing merger, um, and we'll work with Clerk Yarborough and the recorder to make sure that the transition is, is as smooth as possible. Uh, should there be, I mean, this, we're, we're heading into 2019. Is this something that could be planned and executed uh, within this time frame without any discussions having taken place up to this point? Or without many? <laughs> well, the advantage we have, frankly, is that the recorder of deeds is moving into the clerk's office. So the recorder, the recorder um, moving into the clerk's office, being very familiar with the functions of the recorder's office, I think will make this transition easier. Since the, <laughs> since the person who's going to have to be the clerk was the recorder, um, I think the transition will be pretty smooth. Um, I do want to ask, uh, because you know I'm talking about things that have uh, been reported uh, I, are there initiatives that I have not mentioned? What would be a ma one major initiative that you want to nail into place before you leave this job, if you do? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we've done to make our health care system sustainable. Um, you know, we, we were contributing as taxpayers. Our tax allocation was uh, almost $400 million in 2010 to the health care system, and now it's closer to like 110 million. And that's a reflection, 102 million. Okay, thank you for the correction from my budget director. Uh, 102 million. So there's a, almost a $300 million difference, and that's a result of 
our own good work in trying to make the health and hospital system more, more efficient, but also the tremendous influx of funds through the Affordable Care Act. So sustainability of our health care system has always been a priority, and I'm proud of the good work we've done there. On the criminal justice side, I think the dramatic reduction in the jail population by um, working closely with all of the stakeholders and reducing the number of people accused of nonviolent crimes in the jail has had an impact on our finances as well. And public health is 50% and public safety is 38%, so about 88% of our budget is in one of those two buckets. And I'm, as I said, I'm very grateful for the good work done by, by our budget team and by all of our bureaus in the president's office as well as our, our uh, separately elected officials for the collaboration and the cooperation that's gotten us to this point. Do you see uh, some need for, for growth within the health and hospitals uh, system? Uh, I mean, the demand is always as high as it is, and, and people have been expecting uh, and getting better quality health care in that system uh, than perhaps they might have in the past. Right. Our, our focus has been on delivering uh, the best quality care that we possibly can as efficiently and effectively as possible. And I'm very grateful to Dr. Jay Shannon and his staff uh, for the good work that they've done in that regard. Um, we, we, it's hard to know exactly how many um, members we'll have in our Medicaid expansion program. Um, this year, in relation to last, we, we ended up with a lot more people than we anticipated, and we're very, very pleased that, ha that these folks, these members, have chosen uh, our Cook County Medicaid expansion program, county care. Uh, it, it's hard to know going forward uh, what our membership might be, um, and I, I'm just hopeful that we'll continue to see growth. Um what do you say to voters who will be going to the polls in November, uh, knowing that you're essentially looking for another job? Um, uh, rival candidate Bill Daley, uh, rival mayoral candidate Bill, you don't have any rivals uh, in the uh, in the race for uh, Cook County Board President. Uh, Bill Daley criticizes both UN State Controller Susanna Mendoza for running for re-election and for mayor, though Mendoza hasn't formally announced yet. Her petitions are out. He calls it crazy, absurd, and ridiculous. You know, I'm really proud of the work that we've done over the last eight years, and uh, I look forward to the opportunity to serve the people of the city of Chicago. But are you in some ways sh shorting the people of Cook County in, in doing both things at the same time and really having to focus on two different things? You know, I've worked very hard over the last eight years to make our county more effective and, and more efficient. I think that good work uh, has paid off in, in this budget and, and in the um, substantive changes we've been able to make. So I'm very, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I've had over the last eight years to serve the people of Cook County. And uh, I think that good work um, hopefully will be a... Um, a point in in the uh, in the race to come. Is there some good work that has to go into looking forward to, or at least thinking about a transition? I mean, this you you have the unique op the position of having a job and knowing that you're going you may have to be replaced. Uh, well, what do you do differently? Well, you know, I think that there are a lot of months between now and uh, and May of 2019. So there's a lot of time to, to work through transition issues. Well, I do have to ask a couple of political questions. Uh, 
Uh, mayoral candidate Lori Lightfoot uh, this past week uh, labeled you an old-style party boss. You do, in fact, lead the Cook County Democrats. She suggested that you and the organization want to pressure her to drop out of the race. Um, you ran against the machine uh, back in the day. I, I remember those campaigns. So is there is there some irony that now you're being sort of portrayed as being part of the machine or running the machine? Well, you know, I, I committed to progressive leadership of the Cook County Democratic Party. And, you know, one of the first things we did was form a judicial retention committee, speaking of my criminal justice work, because previously the party had just endorsed any judge who was running for retention. Um, the judicial re retention committee under the leadership of Committeeman Kelly from Evanston and as chair and uh, Committeeman Leslie Hairston from the south side of Chicago thoroughly reviewed all the bar recommendations, uh, visited courtrooms, talked with with court staff, and concluded that Judge Matthew Coughlin should not be retained. This is the first time in the history of the Democratic Party that we have not recommended somebody for retention. And it was on the basis of the work that he did, frankly, as state's attorney, putting forward evidence that um, was untrue and led to wrongful convictions of two individuals. So I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that for the first time in its history, the party is looking closely at issues like judicial retention, um, and coming to the conclusion that not every judge deserves to be on the bench. And that flows out of my criminal justice work here in the county. The second thing is, you know, just this week, the party supported Cam Davis's effort um, to be on the ballot and to um, be a, the Democratic nominee for the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. Uh, the party was involved in that suit. Governor Rauner tried to appoint a friend and ally and claimed that that person should be on the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District until 2020. And the uh, circuit court just this week decided that that was not the case. So both in the area of, of getting good people on the bench and getting rid of people who are, who are unfit to be on the bench and defending um, our voters in the Democratic primary, we've taken, a, I think, a, a very progressive stand. And, you know, I've been a progressive Democrat for my entire political life. When I was in the city council, the things I worked on citywide were affordable housing and living wages. Uh, you know, and I, I was one of the co-founders of the Progressive Caucus in the city council. So I think I can, I can put my, my progressive credentials up against anybody and, and fare pretty well. Um, can you answer directly, though, uh, Lori Lightfoot's suggestion that... No, no job was offered to to Lori Light, but no jobs have been offered to anybody. You know, I'm focused on running a, a strong campaign based on my progressive values. Um, do you worry that the publicity and the controversy over the pop tax is going to be something that's going to hang over you in that campaign? Because, I mean, I think people are already gearing up to you know, label you the, uh, the the person who never saw a tax she didn't like and was uh, was willing to uh, to tax everyday people, and that it was a powerful argument during the fight over the tax. It it ended up being sort of the winning argument. What do you, how do you keep that uh, from overshadowing your mayoral effort? Well, let me just repeat kind of what I said earlier. You know, we, we clearly have revenue needs. I always say if you want good government, you have to pay for it um, to sustain our critical services. Our critical services are public health and public safety. Remember, that's 88% of our bu budget. 
and to establish a, a three-year financial plan so that we could move forward in a in a in a responsible way. This is having a, a multi-year financial plan is best practice, and we haven't really been in a position before to be able to do that. With the repeal, um, the county lost that source of funding, two hundred million dollars a year, and the opportunity not only to create that financial plan, um, but to to move forward and support our public health and public safety um, areas, arenas in the way in which we might have hoped. Um, and again, you know, this was this was something we did not just for a, it wasn't a one-time fix, it was an effort to try to provide firm financial footing for a three-year period, so for fiscal year 19 and, and 20 as well as 18. So basically, you your message to Chicago voters is you're going to do the tough things even if they're not popular? You know, I think that's the job. When I when I got elected president of the county, the county was in pretty difficult financial shape. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have to do things that may preclude me from being reelected. And I did them anyway. Um, we had a $487 million gap to close, uh, which we did with layoffs, with uh, program per curtailing programs. Um, it, it, we raised a few a few taxes, fines, and fees, but it was it was absolutely miserable. Four hundred eighty-seven million dollars, almost half a billion dollars, uh, that we had to close. We did all the difficult things that we had to do to balance the budget, and that's what I've done for the last eight years. Thank you very much. That is Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. Thanks for having me in. Uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can follow the audio links. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 